Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Lisa. I was looking at the camera, which doesn't make any sense because it's for the, the podcast. Funny you've done that the last three <laughs> times and it's just too I'm cute. I'm so used to I it. I know you are. So funny. You just call me Lisa, that's so weird. Don't I always? My wife. No. I do. You, I you usually call do you like Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, which is worse. It, it, You're hilarious. But it feels weird. So in fact, yeah, watching old videos, I watched a video when we first got together. It was what 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, because I think it was our first year of. No, it must have been longer. Anyway, I was say. and in the video on this old old cassette, you called me sweetie, and I was like, that's sweetie, so weird. that's so weird. Yeah. But you kind of change over time and don't realize. Yeah. Yes, that's a very good point, and I'm sure it has nothing to do with the topic that we're going to be talking about today. It doesn't, but it's, but really it's just very fascinating that even. Mm. Something like that over time changes and you don't realize. Yeah. So, what other things in life as a relationship do you change as a dynamic and everything. don't even everything. Everything. everything? everything, yeah, I know. So, um, well, welcome everybody who is listening. Um, want to let everyone know that we answer questions if you submit them to connect at impacttheory.com. Yes, you can so submit- if you have a question that you want us to answer on this show, yes. Email Word. connect at impacttheory.com. Thank you for the clarity, Billy. Church. All right, let's go. All right, this is from Anonymous. And that's, by the way, guys, you can Always put Anonymous. The juicy ones. Always the juicy ones. I'm a 28 year old woman who, on the outside, has it all together. I have a decent job, pay all my bills on time, have my own apartment, and exercise and eat healthy. I'm goal oriented and have achieved a good amount in my life and have big ambitions for the future. My one hang up has been relationships. I've had a handful of short relationships in, in which either my boyfriend ended up moving to a different state or I lost interest, interest relatively quickly. I do what a fam. I do want a family someday, but I'm terrified to make in the wrong choice and believe it is making me not take chances at all and is holding me back. I believe this stems from my parents' very toxic, verbally abusive marriage that they continue to hang on to. I'm raised in a conservative religious family and do hold value to who I eventually have sex with, but I feel that being a virgin and holding strong values is something that is scaring the boys away. Any advice on how to find Mr. Right for me while still holding my values in 2018 is greatly appreciated. Wow, well, I, in one very critical way, she answered her own question, which is finding Mr. Right for me. So finding the Mr. Right for her is gonna be somebody that respects that, uh, that may have the same level of appreciation for it. Um, virginity is a really interesting topic and I really wonder what it would be like to grow up today to be super young uh, and 
you know, be living in more or less a hookup culture. And I was really proud of my virginity when I was younger. Like, I know you're laughing at me, but like, for real, that was like a big thing for me. And um, yeah, and so like, I fully get where she's coming from, but I also think that she's right, that it then can become, uh, I'll say I hang up more for her than for other people where you're, you're putting so much like, is this gonna be the person? Mm. And it's, it's the equivalent of when somebody is going into every date saying, well, is this gonna be somebody that I could marry? And it just doesn't work like that. Like step number one is just like, am I interested? It's kind of like the passion thing. Where, I was gonna say, I, they, your step number one sounds exactly like you say with passion. 100%. So people want it to be like love and sparks and fireworks and like this person is gonna be amazing and they're gonna be the father of my children. It's like, that's a lot of pressure to come into something. So just like you don't um, you know, take your first dance class and go, am I gonna be J-Lo's backup dancer? You just go, do I like this? Mm. And if I had fun, do I wanna take the next one? And people should have the same attitude when they're dating is, does this person interest me? Do I want a second date? Is this somebody that I wanna be around and spend time with? Not, is this the person that I wanna give my virginity to, the thing that I've been saving my whole life mm. and that I wanna spend the rest of my life with? It's just. Do I dig them? Do I want to date too? And just taking it step by step like that, like when I lost my virginity, I just didn't tell the person I was a virgin. Maybe that was a bad move. I don't think it was a bad move. I'm couching it because I don't want people to be like, I can't believe you didn't say anything. But the reality is I didn't and I, I honestly didn't think it was her business. That's the God's honest That's truth. That's weird though. Really? Yeah. That's really interesting. It, I, would, I would need to tell, maybe it's the man female thing, male thing, I don't know. But as a female, I would, if I'm going to be blatantly honest, I would definitely tell them because I would want them to be somewhat delicate. Interesting. Well, that certainly wasn't, I didn't have any physiological concerns and, like that. And plus, it's not like, that. you know, I think you hear a lot these days about guys and they watch so much porn that they kind of expect, you know, even by day one, you're doing anal and you're doing like... Jesus! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm just being honest with all the crazy... <laughs> Did, wow. Did I not said that? Did I just shock you a little bit? You did shock me. I am flush in the face. Yeah. Not many people have seen you flushed either. No. But anyway, there's there's a lot of crazy things that people show now right. in porn that is so accessible that most people, or at least I hear rumors that most guys think that that's what it's going to be like for day one. So as a woman, I would need to tell the guy not to have massive expectations that I'm going to do all this crazy this things. This is like, don't, so unsexy. Like, this like, is... But don't bring out the toys on day one. Like, uh, I'm fragile. I don't know what I'm doing. So I would want a guy to be super attentive, to be super understanding about where I'm coming from. Don't pressure me. So I would absolutely tell the guy. I wouldn't necessarily tell them on the first date. So that's different. Yes, that, that I totally hear. It's interesting. I'm thinking through this in real time and don't feel like I can give prescriptive advice right now because this is not something that I've thought at all about in a very long time. But I, I think that removing all of that pressure from the table, not thinking about sex, just worrying about whether this is somebody that you can be comfortable with. And I remember getting advice, which by the way, is not at all the advice that I followed and it worked out just fine for me. But I think that this is far more universal advice, which is if you can't talk about sex with the person, they're not the person you should be having sex mm -hmm. with. So I, I didn't want to have conversations like that when I finally decided that, okay, it was time to... Um, you know, sow some oats, I guess. Because I went from thinking, oh, I'm going to save myself for marriage to being like, I, I absolutely do not want to. And I want to go in the opposite direction and make sure that I'm not 
just settling down with the first person that I have sex with because I began to worry that I had built it up so much in my mind mm-hmm. that that would be my downfall is that I would have wrapped so much in that like I gave this person something and I can never give it to anybody else again so I need to stay with them and I just started thinking wow that's a really dangerous way to think about it for me for me this is deeply personal mm-hmm. advice um, so and that ended up working for me and that was very much the right move for me um, but yeah, I would say that bordering on universal advice would be if you can't talk about it with that person, you're absolutely right. Being able to have the kind of conversation that you're talking about so that you feel safe, protected, mm-hmm. um, you know, that things are going to go in a direction that you're, you're very comfortable with and being able to articulate that stuff um, is probably a very good barometer. Yeah, and then seeing how they respond, right? So for her, it's um, if you are saving yourself... Um, how does the other person react? So like, I would almost want to tell them, I wouldn't do day one, but um, to see how they respond, to see how they show respect for you and your position and how you see things. And if they give you the respect back, then that's another thing to go, okay, maybe he is the right one, right? Like you were saying, do it in small steps. So, you know, how do you feel about them? Are they fun to hang out with? Do they, you know, push your way of thinking? Do you get excited when you see them? So taking each step as you go, Part of that step for me would be to let them know at some point, hey, I'm saving myself and see how they respond to it. Because ultimately, you know, um, you want to, I guess, settle down with the right person. It's just never going to be necessarily the first person that you meet. So that pressure, my God, um, it's exactly what you said. When we went on our first day, we were the opposite, right? It was the fact that because I was leaving the country, I didn't think it was going to be anything serious. I thought this is going to be a great fun story to tell my friends back in England that I hooked up with this hot American guy. <clears throat> and you were thinking, this is amazing. She legally has to leave the country. So I'm just going to have fun. So we approached it with the least amount of pressure, which is why we were able to be ourselves, which is why I think being ourselves, I saw things in you and were like, wow, no guy's ever done that before. No guy's ever been that honest with me before and I realized over that time wow this is something I'm really attracted to and I didn't realize that this even existed so having preconceived notions when you're going into dating I think can actually hinder it like I definitely had a list of things that were these this is what my husband has must have Right. I think a lot of girls have that list of like, I want them to, you know, be athletic and I want them to be independent and I want them to like open a car door for me, like whatever those things are. But the problem is the second you do that, if they don't fit that mold, like do you immediately scratch them off the list? So is she maybe possibly rejecting guys because there's so much pressure about them being this perfect person about them being this future husband with and there's little elements that hey maybe she actually will find exciting but she doesn't explore because of that pressure it's like oh shit he's not the right one move on to the next thing because hmm. she clearly holds herself to a very high standard because she's already you know she explains that she's pretty put together like she gets the way her life is, you know, with bills, with health, like she's very on it. And maybe that's almost a hindrance to her when it comes to the first few dates. Yeah, the need to explore. And um, the way that I think about it outside of relationships is you have to put yourself in danger of something extraordinary happening. Mm. So the way that you do that is by going out and doing things. Mm. So going out, meeting new people, going on dates. I I would for sure online date because it's an easy way to... Um, you know, see uh, a lot of people that mm-hmm. otherwise might not come across your path. And part of the reason that I think so many people in our generation found people in like really weird moments or 
even standard moments like school and stuff like that is because it's you're you're going to find somebody where the most number of people cross your path so that you're encountering this wide swath of people in a way where you get to know them a little bit before mm. um, having to go down like a hardcore committed path. And so whatever she needs to do to put herself in that position mm -hmm. to encounter people, see what they're like, you know, whether it's joining a running group or something where you're just going to be around a lot of people and you get to see them in an environment that's low pressure so that you can get a sense of who they are. Um, that way you're in danger of something. Where would you go if you were single? Like, so if something happened to me, I'm out of your life, I die, you, you then get over me, and then you decide to date. Where it was you? very <laughs> detailed, like, and then get over me after a very long and arduous period of crying in a fetal position. Well, I'm hoping that you still cry in a fetal position, just right. get up to go and date Eventually. and then come back into the fetal um, position. Where would I go? Like, in, I would go online, 100%. Would you? Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But the funny thing is, like, I, I'm not even sure. As I said that, I was like, "Are people laughing right now?" Because what I should be saying is, yes, "I would go on Tinder." You know what? Because every you don't actually go online. Every well, I was just going to say, like most people that I know, most women who have done online dating, laugh at us when we talk about online dating. Because they're like, "It's terrible." It's so bad. They're like, "Guys, just want to hook up. You have no idea." Because hmm. yeah, I've had a lot of feedback from girls close to me that are like, "Lisa, it's not as cool as you think." Interesting. But, I don't know. Um, where would I go? The the God's honest truth yeah. is I almost certainly wouldn't date. You would just hook up? No, I would just work. Hmm. And I've often thought, like, did I really get lucky that before I realized what it actually took to be successful, that I allowed myself to date and all that? Because, like, now... Every like the there was a World Cup match on today and I wanted to watch it and you were like, Oh my gosh, like this is on and you didn't even say you were gonna watch it, but I the was intimation was that I should watch it. And I thought that literally the company will slow down if I go watch that. So I have such an equation in my mind of what I could be doing with that time. Mm. And yeah, so anyway, we could fully derail on that. But um I I I think a an unpredictable amount of time would go by before I would start dating again because I, um, it, it is possible that that ache to connect with somebody would come back into my life. Um, but I really worry that I would be the person that was like, oh, I married once and I married for life and I never took my wedding ring off after you passed away. Like, I, and sincerely, I almost don't even want to talk about it because I could get scary emotional about it. Um, but I really think that's where... I would end up, and then because I could pour myself into work, I just don't think I would go out and seek it. Hmm. All right. So on to the next question. I just learned a bit about you, by the way. Wow, that's interesting yeah. that you wouldn't predict that. No, I mean, I, th I think, I don't think you'd ever get married again, but I would have thought that you would for sure just hook up. I'm not close to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, babe, you've got to get yours. I get it. Um, all right, so next question. This is from Michelle Sanderson. What do you guys think about the idea of the one? You seem to be very sure of your relationship, which is admirable, and I would love to know your opinion on the perfect partner. My parents got a divorce after 20 years of marriage, and I'm just curious why people think they are with the right... Um, why people think they are with the right person for such a long time, then suddenly decide that their significant other is not the one anymore. Maybe it's laziness, guilt, or comfort, but I would love hearing something about that. I have a way aggressive opinion on this, but why don't you... Mind you, you can't. I can't lay that can't out say and that then not and then, play yeah. that card. Um, there is no such thing as the one. 
-hmm. Like that to me is, is such a deep and fundamental misunderstanding of the human condition and what the human mind is like and how we bond and all of that. Um, I think that there are enough idiosyncrasies to all of us, enough uniqueness to who we are based on the time period that we grew up in and our early influences and our just genetic makeup and all of that and the things that we invested in ourselves to appreciate and like um, that it seems like, you know, a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people have to come across your path before you find somebody. But when you think that, like, let's say the number is one in 10,000. Okay, great. There's... 7.2 billion people on the planet, that's a lot of the ones. So even if you say it's one in a billion, then there's still 7.2 people out there for you. And I think it's absurd to say it's one in a billion. I think yeah. it is, it's probably more like, yeah, within any grouping of 10,000 people, you could find somebody that would intrigue you enough that you would go down the very long path of becoming what most people shorthand as soulmates, because I would say, using sort of common vernacular, that at this point you and I are soulmates, which is why it is, it is the one thing I don't even allow myself to think about is something happening to you. Because it's, it's emotionally distressing. And I, I just can't occupy that mental space. Um, so that has become a result of so many years together mm. and shaping each other and all the times of laughing and crying together, of disappointing and redeeming yourself. I mean, it's just like this endless cycle of like becoming so close. And it's in the loving and the losing and loving again. I don't, it, it, like I could write poetry about this. Like it is such an insanely amazing thing to share your life with somebody that it doesn't start like that. It's, it's the act of sharing that gets better over time. And so now she's going to be really confused. She's going to be like, but after 25 years and they split least, up, yeah. like, how's that possible? Because what's happening is they're not investing in that. They stopped being open and honest and connecting and saying the hard things and dealing with the friction. And they, the other person let them down and they didn't give them a chance to redeem. They just like, you know, you broke something and, and they close off and they turn inward or they let the other person down and they weren't given an opportunity to redeem themselves. And, and so it's like, it's, Instead of this constant evolution of becoming somebody that you're more proud of, that the other person feels more protected and cared for by, like it, it becomes you're, you're just moving in slightly different directions. And because the reality is, even when you're in love, you're starting off miles apart. Miles. Like when you think about how different you and I were at the beginning of mm -hmm. our relationship, we, we were in love, we were infatuated, we had lust, we had everything going for us. That neurochemistry of I want to give myself to you forever and ever and ever. And when I think back to that person, it's like you didn't even know her. Yeah. Like, what were you doing? But we, over time, we have, we have failed each other and won each other and been there and given the other person an opportunity to um, learn and grow and never tried to beat the other person up for a failing. And we celebrated the successes and we're just awash in gratitude for the smallest kindness or anything and because we like knew like you have to be really careful what you put your focus on and you have to be really careful about like we were so honest about please don't ever let me be failing you and don't and then you don't tell me until there's nothing I can do about mm -hmm. it and so we knew pretty early that that was a big thing that the other person really really had our best interests at heart and in 
growing through that and proving to the other person how much you care about them in, in like a thousand tiny little microscopic ways over and over and over and over and over, like you start coming together and building together and building together. But most people let dust settle on their relationship. Mm -hmm. It, oh, it seemed too small. And so I didn't want to say anything. But then like, I really do resent them a little bit and it's just building up and it builds up. Or this has really been something that I think has been huge in our lives. Like the confession of, I may just be being insecure or I may just be being petty, but this is how that makes me feel. Mm. And not feeling like we had to hide that. Like all of those things most people do not do. And so over 25 years, already they started miles apart, but at least they had the neurochemistry of love. And then, because this is a daughter asking the question, then they had the kids and the kids create a certain amount of perpetual motion. And if their parents got, I can't remember if she said 28 years, 25 years. 20 years. That's that is almost exactly how long it takes a kid to mature and get out of the house. Mm -hmm. There's no surprise that that's when people break up. Because I, I, my dad left, I think, when I had, I went away, I was the second, the youngest child, and three weeks after I left for college, he left. TikTok, he's just waiting for me to leave. Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, full respect, I'm actually super grateful. Super shitty for them, like way lame. For their sake, it probably would have been way better to break up earlier. But I think my dad thought it was honorable. And it certainly made for an awesome childhood. I had no sense. I just thought it was a rad childhood. Mm. That was it. I think also people just have expectation that because you put a ring on your finger or their finger, um, that because it's going to be for life, that you almost don't have to then work at it. You know, you see people just think like, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but someone used to say to me like, oh, re relationships shouldn't be work. Like, Lisa, you're making it sound like it's a job. And it's like, oh my, like, do you know how much time and effort you have to put into your relationship? Like, if you don't, what's going to happen? It's like a friendship. If you don't nurture, it's like a fire. If you don't put more wood on it, the flame's going to burn out. And so why is a marriage or a relationship of any kind any different to that. It's not. You have to put time. You have to put effort. Like you said, you have to deal with the hard things. Um, and this person said maybe it's laziness or guilt or comfort. I think it's all of those, right? But I don't think it's laziness like, oh, I just can't be bothered. It's probably more like, oh my God, this is going to cause so much. If I bring this up, I'm like rehashing things. I've now, you know, I've got to spend the next hour or two really going through it. And so, I guess laziness like that, but it just, it, you have to be prepared to talk about the hard things. You have to be prepared to address the difficult things um, and receive it, right? That's not easy. It's not easy to receive um, negative feedback, but if you're both willing and open, then I think it could be, you know, beautiful. Um, but in regards to the one, I completely agree with you. Um, I don't think that there's just one person for anybody. I think that if I didn't meet you, if our paths hadn't crossed, I would have met somebody else. I would have, you know, fallen in love and I would have felt like this was the person I was meant to be with. Not in this, I don't actually believe meant to be, but you know what I mean. Um, but you fit. But you fit, yeah. And so I think that putting the pressure on this is the one ends up with people staying in relationships they probably shouldn't be in because they may have a preconceived notion of, I said I was only going to get married once, I didn't want to get divorced, you know, maybe I'm still young and it's like, oh my God, I, I can't believe that at the age of, you know, 25 or whatever, I'm already going to get a divorce, like, what does this look like and, you know, how are people going to think of me and I just think all of that just plays into your mind of making then the right decision, but remove the pressure of the one keep assessing how do I make this relationship work or how do I m m allow this relationship to be beautiful um, and then if you've tried and your partner's tried and you've kept going and it's like then just break up 
in my opinion, um, and say, okay, well, this wasn't the person for me, but I can go out and keep, you know, keep looking and trying to find that one person that is. Um, and just as a kind of side note, speaking of the one, I remember when you made the comment when we first started dating about, I don't know if it was an actress or something, and you were like, oh my God, she's so hot. And I was like, I can't believe he just said that. Like, he just said that to me, like, to my face. And you were like, well, of, babe, it's, I find you so attractive. But there's all these other women. Uh, gone, in fact, I'm going to butcher it. Do your, what, what did you say? Basically, <laughs> basically in the pool of, like, the entire world. Right. If I just found you the only attractive person, it's actually less. Um, I'm not going to believe you. Plus that, that was the reality. Go yeah. ahead. It's, it's almost less of a compliment, right? If you're like, in all these people, you're the only one that I have eyes for versus yeah, there's talking... a million different women out there that of course are attractive, I'm not blind, but the fact that I've chosen you and you've chosen me and we've chosen to spend this our entire lives with each other and not just be free and go around, like it, it, it actually is more special. If I just, is that no, right? you're right on the money, yeah. It's, it's commitment. So it's knowing that I'm with you because I'm committed to you. I want to be committed to you. But that if you're living in a world where I'm faithful to you only because I find you the most attractive, you're on really tenuous ground mm. because there's always going to be somebody more beautiful. And even if there's not somebody that I legitimately believe is more beautiful, you'll be insecure about it. And you yeah. will think you will find other women more beautiful and you will have an impossible time believing that I find you more beautiful than them. So now even if I'm not giving you a reason, you're gonna be insecure about it. So the reality is that there are always going to be people that are more beautiful. It's just the way of the world. There's certainly gonna be people younger. I mean, God willing, you turn into a bag of wrinkles and we're together in that and you know we age together and so knowing that that's a one-way street that we're on then I wanted you to understand that like don't think that I'm faithful to you because you're hot like I'm faithful to you because I'm committed mm -hmm. and because I'm in love and because I know that that's the best thing for our emotional stability as a couple and for us to have that level of bond it just is a fact of human nature that we have to have that level of trust and security and so I, and, and that largely stemmed from, I wouldn't believe you if you told me, this was at the height of Brad Pitt's like attractiveness, mm -hmm. right? Where it was probably right around Fight Club, where he's lean and Ooh, shredded yes. and I'd never been, right? <laughs> and I'd never looked like that, never had abs like that at that time. And so I'm looking at him thinking, if she told me she didn't find him attractive, I'd be like, now I just can't trust that you're being honest with me. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can say, look, dude's hot. I'm with you, I love you, I find you attractive, all of that, but that doesn't make him less attractive. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, cool, I can relax, because I know you don't feel you have to hide something from me, you know you can be honest with me, and I'm looking at him and he is the, the like Greek statue physique, so it's like hard to argue that that is something that everybody finds either admirable, meaning they wanna look like that, or desirable because they're attracted mm -hmm. to it. So, yeah, I just, I never wanted to feel like I was being BS'd. And from the female perspective, I started telling myself, well, if he's only with you for your looks, then um, it's never going to last, right? I'm going to drive myself crazy in trying to look a certain way. And clearly our relationship isn't as deep as I want it to be. So even for myself, it's like, okay, I totally, being able to do the analogy in the reverse with like the Brad Pitt was perfect because I was like, yeah, he's freaking hot and his abs are amazing. But that doesn't mean that 
I love you any less, want you any less, I'm attracted to you any less, want to live the rest of my life with you any less. And so when I then flip that back and think, okay, well, if he wants to find a younger, hotter woman, um, then it just means that, yeah, our lives cannot coexist because I can't really do anything about that. And so clearly our relationship isn't as deep as I wanted it to be. Um, would you rather segment? Yeah, yeah, like these. All right, you ready? Ready. All right. If you only had, if you only had ten years to live with your most ideal partner, would you rather spend your twenties or your fifties with them? Oh wow! What a cool question. Fifties for sure. Hmm. Fifties. Yeah, my twenties. I was an emotional mess. Yeah, agreed. Although, yeah, yeah, agreed. Although. I was. I was thinking like. No, you weren't an emotional mess, but I guess because I didn't really see it. Compared to where I am now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, it's not like, and I guess I should be more careful with my words. I was not, like, crying myself to sleep every night. I just didn't know how to make my dreams come true. And that was really scary. And there were periods before I met you, but there were periods of hopelessness. And my early, early 20s were definitely, I did not have anything even approaching a growth mindset. And mm. I started getting that right before I met you. Mm. But what's interesting is, I'm really derailing this a little, but um, when I hear you tell your stories of when, even in our early days when we were together, it's so fascinating on how I was perceiving it mm. and how you were internalizing it because it was before we had the growth mindset, so it wasn't like you were articulating it to right. me. So when you talk about the early days, just before we got married, and I was working, in, you know, receptionist, Ellen Day, Ellen Day car dealership, um, and you were at home, it's like I saw you struggling to get out of bed and not really changing your clothes much, and you know things like that. But it never hit me that you were, you know falling into, you know, depression. Um, Hashtag like, exaggerate. Yeah, I, but... I wasn't sure how to kind of explain it, but yeah. you, were, you were struggling. Yes. And it didn't dawn on me that you were struggling. And it's so weird from my perspective now to hear you because I kind of feel a little guilty. Like, I, shit, should I have recognized those actions? And should I have spoken to you back then? And could I have helped you? And... You couldn't have because we were in such a similar place. Yeah. Because back then you were more harsh. Hmm. Like back then it was, I need you to change your clothes. I need you to do your hair. It wasn't like... Yeah, probably wasn't very... Yeah, but that's like where we were, but right? In, in so, honesty, I mean, we I didn't was... have the tools. Yeah, I know. But for me, it was just like, I didn't want to beat around the bush because then I felt like I was kind of lying. So it's like I had to spit it out. But in spitting it out, I probably wasn't very strategic on being sweet about the spitting yeah, out. Yeah, but... but look, it was like youth is the enemy of us all. Like, mm. we all have to go through it. So it was awesome, and it was exactly what we needed to do, and, you know, we came together and we figured it out. And But, yeah, we were so different back then. Mm -hmm. But it's like that show you're watching now where it's like the same situation played out from two different Ooh, perspectives. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I'm only one episode in, season one. It's quite old. It's like three seasons in now. Mm. But it's fascinating. Yeah, the perspective of two different people. Right. I would love to see that of our lives. Like, maybe that, like, six months before we got married. Yeah. A GoPro camera on your head and GoPro... Well, that would get you an objective look. The fun thing uh, would be to get a fully subjective yeah, look right. to see, like, what was this really like emotionally for each that other? That could actually be a fun game for couples to play. 
like almost write a like what is a moment that you guys want to rehash almost write out like that's a story like a script yeah. like what happened mm. and then them write it and then swap script. that's kind of fun we should that's do that quite proud of that idea actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right next would you rather would you rather sacrifice your values for the one or sacrifice the one for your values oh uh, i don't think you can ever give up your values yeah it's actually really they're not the one then. if you have to give up your values quite frankly yeah truth all right would you rather spend your life seeking the partner of your dreams without finding them or seeking your passion without finding it well you don't you don't find a passion. <laughs> that was a test. So, yeah. So that one, for me, it's just that that would be a tragedy because it's a misunderstanding of, of how something becomes a passion. But it's, you know, in many ways, it's the same with a relationship. You know, like we were talking at the beginning, you're not going to find somebody that right off the bat, you're just like, oh, my God. Mm. So in either case, I think it's recognizing that you build into something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right, last question. This is from Abraham Cuerto. Nice. He put some spice yeah. on that one. Um, all right, so hola, Tom and Lisa, or hola? I'm going to mess it up with a hola. 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 But it's not, it's hola. Yeah. Got it. Um, you were so busy with the spice. I was so, I was so excited about speaking Greek. Um, how could I create a process brick by brick to become the one man that I want to be in order to be uh, with the woman I desire? I'm willing to do the work. Nice. What do you have for him? How do... You go first. <laughs> <laughs> I do want the record to reflect. I do try to let you go first. I know. Um, so I would really look at what does the ideal woman, like what does she want? What are the qualities? Write them down. And then figure out what you need to do to get them. Really? So, You'd go that route? That's what he's asking. Like, how do I become the ideal man for some mystery woman? I'm prepared to do the work. So it always starts with, what's your goal? So what does the ideal man look like? Hmm. And then working your way backwards from that. I so didn't expect that as an answer. Really? Why? Because I would... Becoming something for somebody else, I think... Would I be... knew that's what you took from that. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because I would say, what type of woman do I want to be? What, do I, what, what would make me proud? Okay, mm -hmm. I'd want to be independent. I'd still want to be caring. I'd want to be giving. I'd want to be loving, but not a pushover. Like, I would write all the things of the woman I want to be mm -hmm. and then say, okay, well, what man fits with this mold? Because if I want a... Like, I love... Um, I, one thing I love about you is you're a strong man, right? But you're not dominating so much that you don't... Um, that you neglect me or that you push me aside in my opinions. So I would, if I was to start the other way and say, what kind of guy would I want? I would probably put, I'd want a strong man. But there's so many little nuances to that, that I think that if I found that person, I may be like, oh, no, well, that's not what I want. So I'd start with, who do I want to be? What is the things that I, pr I will pride myself on, that I would be comfortable about, that I would be excited to become? Then I'm going to become it and then see what type of guy I'm interested in. But adapting myself for the man that I want, I think would be very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. It's like when me and you first met, it's like I wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to be the film industry. And over time, in supporting the big vision of earning the money so we can make our own films, I, I was a housewife. And I became a housewife for, what, seven, eight years? Um, 
And over that time, in looking back, I realized that it was slowly deteriorating the person that I was and how I felt about myself. And I think that's just a dangerous game. It's slipping into the role that is expected of you versus the role that you want to play. That's so rad on paper. Like what you're saying is super powerful, become the person that you want to be, all of that, 100%. But there is a reality to be faced when you're looking at something from the context of I want to be in a relationship. And if you come up with uh, an ideal, like I will tell you, the ideal version of who I wanted to become before I met you Mm. was better than you at everything, strong, confident, domineering, doesn't give a shit about a woman, like all that. And that isn't conducive to being in a relationship. So if somebody, one of the things that they hold as a value is I want to be an ideal partner, then you have to take your partner into consideration. And you need to think about what would, and you need to take yourself into consideration, obviously. Like, what kind of partner do you want to be with? But now that you know what kind of partner you want to be with, what kind of person do they want? Mm-hmm. And looking, looking at that as a lens, not as, oh, I don't care about what I want. I just want to be what they want. For sure, you're 100% right that just investing in what somebody else cares about would be way dangerous. But when you're asking yourself through the lens of, it is meaningful to me to be a rad partner, then you for sure need to step into that person's shoes and look back at yourself and see like what are things that they would value. Hmm. I can see that if it's something that you really, somebody that you already want to be with. Ooh, that scares me because now you're really trying to become something that somebody else wants. Well, think about this, me and you, mm-hmm. right? We've been able to navigate who I've wanted to be over time. That has changed. And it's like, if I could remove what I want from the equation, I said to you, what do you want out of a wife, right? Forget about what I want, forget about what makes me happy. What exactly would you want of a wife? I don't think it would be the exact description of who I am. No, and once it becomes a real person, what I'm saying does not work. Right. It has to be a reflection of what you're imagining. It's looking, you looking back at yourself through the lens of somebody else. Once it's really asking somebody, what do you want me to become? You're right. Super dangerous. Yeah. But as a, as a mental exercise to really think about what are the tenets of a good partner and what would an emotionally stable, emotionally available, encouraging, strong-willed, independent person, who to me, that's the description of the ideal partner, what would they want in somebody? Mm. And... I think if you know how to describe the ideal partner, then suddenly it becomes a lot easier to adopt those values without losing yourself because you don't want somebody who's subservient or who demands subservience or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it really does come down to, it's, it's a thought exercise. It can't be something that you go to your boyfriend or girlfriend and say, what would I look like if I... It's actually a good question to ask. It just would be unhealthy to then just mold yourself after mm-hmm. what they want. Um, but yeah. And that's going back to like this whole theme of like the one. It's like there's so many small little nuances to having that partner that fits you perfectly. Um, and that there's so much just pressure, I think, socially on... Even now, like, you know, divorce and things like that. It's, um, it's I think, very difficult to really kind of stick to not even stick to one person but have somebody that is perfect for you and keep working on it um 
Yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. I'm not sure where yeah, you're going. Yeah, I guess it's just it's difficult to to pinpoint just one specific person being the one and the pressure. Um, you for the the thought exercise of asking like what would that person want? Um, no, just in general being like I want to be the perfect person for the one. Well, now you put all the pressure on uh, it being for the one. Yeah, I think so. Here's here's what I was getting at, and maybe I just was hopelessly unclear. What I'm getting at is asking yourself, what does a good partner look like? And part of certainly what you responded to in the early days was because I had no game, the only solution I had as a teenager was to read Cosmo to, as a stand-in for like every female thing I could get about what do they look for in men so that I could really understand what women were like. So um, for me, and I'll just give you a super simple example, like... By the time I started having sex, it was so obvious to me that the classic mistake guys make is being selfish that I did not make that mistake. So doing things like that, of looking back at your um, behaviors from the other person's point of view to find out what would be meaningful to be a good partner, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like mold yourself into somebody else's vision. Mm. I'm saying look at, like really Mm. establish what are the behaviors of a good partner. What are the behaviors of just uh, uh, somebody that is, um, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but a valuable contributor to society? Like, look at yourself from the outside. Yeah. What are people of, that you esteem? What do they look like? And once you understand that, once it's not just like, oh, that actual person, how would they describe it? Which I don't even think would be very realistic. Um, because I think that people grapple on a one-on-one basis to really describe something truly that they want, like they would say, oh, I want somebody that always wants to do what I want to do. No, you don't. You think you do, and on paper that sounds good. Mm. But what you really want is somebody that thrills you, that surprises you, that um, captures your imagination, occasionally leaves you in awe, where you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. That's really enticing. Mm. But no one builds that in, because that's not what they think they want. Mm. Um, So, yeah. I'll leave it at that. That's yeah. all I was saying. Yeah. Like to, that, to really... That's very clear. Cool. Yes. Bravo. All right. So. All right. That's there all we is. have time for. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, submit your questions to connect at impacttheory.com. It would be amazing. And, and follow Lisa Billu on Instagram and Tom Billu pretty much everywhere. Yes, at Tom Billu. At Tom Billu. And at Lisa Billu. Correct. Word. Billu spelled a little funny. Forgive us, guys. It's B as in Bravo, I-L-Y-E-U. <laughs> Get after it. That's how we grow this community. That would be amazing. Hopefully, we will see you socially. Until next time, my friends, be legendary. Peace out. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.